We don't want to just survive uncertainty, right? Not just to make it, right? There's a certain class of people or things or concepts out there that are not a candle that get extinguished, but are a fire that gets energized. So the whole point of the book is how do we be a fire that's energized and not a candle that's extinguished, right? And that's why this is so important for us because we know inside of the game of casual tactics, we're not taking the safe route. Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Uh, I'm Brad Gibb. I am joined today by Jimmy Vreeland, and we've got a very special episode. This is one, Jimmy, we've been wanting to permission to talk about this stuff for a really long time, but it's, it's layers deep down the rabbit hole and nobody... Nobody would listen to us, but we dreamed of a day when we'd have a platform that we could sit around and pontificate about topics like anti-fragility. So that's what we're bringing at you guys today. Um, Now, this is coming from a book authored by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. The book is called Anti-Fragile, and this book does go deep. Like There are so many layers to this that we could sit and peel back those layers. yeah, we we could go on and on and on about it. But today, all we really want to get accomplished today is introduce our best attempt here at introducing what anti-fragile is and how it relates to what we're doing here at CFT. So, Jimmy, we're going to play this. I think you and I do this really well. Like, you're the one with the actual experience. You're the one that just like meathead, put his head down, goes out and figures it out. And then you come back to me and say, Brad, what the heck's happening right now? Like, help me use my big boy words to explain what I'm trying to get into. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is going to be, we might do a series of these podcasts, but we kind of started it with investing versus speculating. And it it refers back to that book we talked about, What I Lost Losing a Million Dollars in the Market. And that book, I cannot recommend it high enough. I actually found out about that book from Anti-Fragile. But it's the whole thing of this meathead trader and then the economist explaining what he actually did. And I, we should probably do a series of podcasts like this one. Cause it's kind of fun. And no, definitely. We are going to break down the entire book of anti-fragile. Cause if you want a playbook to success, I, man, he did such a good job outlining those topics, but it is, like I said, it is a little bit on the deeper side. And if you guys don't know this about Jimmy yet, like Jimmy is a very, very interesting dynamic to where he is next level intelligent but he's got this meathead. Like when I'm in a room, my personality is I have to, everybody has to know that I'm smart and I will make comments until everybody knows that I'm smart. But Jimmy gets a kick out of having everyone in the room think he's really dumb when he's actually definitely in the top 10% of knowing what's actually happening and going on. Yeah. You want to hear a childhood story where I I, developed this habit? I do because I wish I had it more, but I can't do it. I just like my wife has noticed this. Like if if I had grown up in the two thousands or or now, like they I would definitely have been medicated. Like they 
<laughs> in kindergarten, like the teacher knew, like wanted to send me to special school district and my mom like threw down, but I couldn't focus long enough to learn how to read, I think is what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so, but then my brother is wicked smart. My brother's a surgeon and he's three years younger than me. So my mom would be going through, like, teach me to read flashcards and teach me to read math. And so I was six and my brother's probably three at the time. And he was answering the flashcards. <laughs> and so like, it was always, he'd known that his nickname was the professor. It was always known that he was smart. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now granted every time as we got older and he would keep answering my flashcards, like I would give him 20 minutes to get my mom out of the room. And then he was getting a beating for <laughs> continuing to answer my flashcards before me. But at the end of the day, the only reason I started studying is I was, I did, looked around. I'm like, I am not going to be known as the dumb one in this family. And so I started grinding out and learning to study. And then I learned, I really love to read. Yeah. But and it, it wasn't it, until I decided I would not be the dumb one. And then growing on, I was always able to get my brother to do whatever I wanted him to do. Like back in the day with VCRs, let's say the VCR was out, right? I would be like, dude, you're really smart. You can figure this out. <laughs> and then he would go do whatever I wanted him to do. <laughs> so, because his, because dude, you would have had me hook, line, and sinker. Oh and my God, say, yes. Oh, Brad, you are so smart. I'm sure you can go do my homework for me. I'd be like, on it. I can prove that I'm smart. Yeah, 100%. And so exactly how Jimmy is. He gets yeah. everyone to do his stuff, but he's really one of the smartest people and really knows, he stands on the edge of that coin between, he knows enough of, seeing the unseen of what's really happening, but he's been on the other side of the coin of like, why does this matter? How do we actually do something with it? And he, and he really processes everything that comes into his brain through, how am I going to do this right now? Right? Not, not like, how am I going to feel good that I have this? But like, what do I get up and leave this conversation doing with it? And it, it really puts a filter on like how we've organized information. And, and that's, that's why Jimmy, you're, why you're a partner of Cashflow Tactics with us. Like, this is why this all came together really well. Is before we named the company, we really wanted it to represent what we're taught, like why we're different, and why our theories and why our groups and what we teach and what we do is going to be so vastly different. And that's where we came up with the, with the tactics part of our name. Is we wanted to filter everything through how can somebody leave the conversation and do something tomorrow because that's the most you not tomorrow do something now today right? Wait is what, Jimmy, in our world? Four-letter word. Wait is a four-letter word because it, it's tactical in its, in its implementation. So we're going to try to do the same here today with the book Anti-Fragile. Well, I also didn't want to bring information to people that they can't act on and that they can sit. You know, Brad and I also went into a kind of a deep, dark libertarian <laughs> phase too. And like, yep. dude, the libertarian rabbit hole is deep and dark. And you yes. can sit around and be a poopy pants all day talking about how smart you are and what you know about Thomas Jefferson, instead of just getting off your ass yeah. and fixing things. And so like, there were, we, big, we came from a little bit of an environment where people whine, and I just can't stand it. They're really and, smart people who whine. Yes. I was lost for a long time to the fact that just having more information was never going to help me, right? I loved having more information just for information's sake. That was never an issue for me. That made me feel great. It made me feel like, and, and I tell the story, um, I don't remember the exact month count. I, I added it up one time, but from the time I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and had decided I'm going to invest in real estate 
to closing on my first transaction, I believe it was 42 months. That is awesome. Right? That, that's me, right? And but it, it took me getting around people like you to have the reverse effect of what you were having, what your brother was having on you, right? You were not going to be the dumb one, but I was also never going to be left behind, right? right? And that I had that trait from a long time of, I, I never wanted the pack to, to, to outpace me or leave me. And, and if I could get somebody out in front of me, like I actually have a story about this in track and field. I, I ran it at a really, really small high school. And so there wasn't anybody, I was the fastest one on the team by a large margin. So I had nobody pushing me. And my coach knew I could run a much faster mile than I was doing, like before I was clocking in, in the high 440s, which for a freshman in, in high school is good, yeah. shows some potential, but I just could not get below about that 445 mark. And so as a sophomore, my coach lied and put me in an invitational meet on the other side of the state where big schools were running just to qualify, you had to run a 430. And he lied and said, I ran a 430 and got me into the event. And sure enough, just by running with faster people, like the week before I ran a 446 and then he submitted me in with this, the, the entire school was running, the entire class of runners was running 430s. I ran a 432 only because the pack was moving faster. And that was a big realization for me. Like I got to be around people that are moving, not just learning. Yep. So anyway, anti-fragile, let's define anti-fragile and then let's break down why anyone would want to know what this is. So start out with your quote, Jimmy, that you loved about this. All right, so this guy opens the book with wind extinguishes a candle and energizes a fire. And I remember the first time I read this book, I, I started with that line and I put the book down and I just went for a walk because I was like, I was just like, oh my God, I had never thought of things like that. And he then goes on, the point he makes is we don't want to just survive uncertainty, right? Not just to make it, right? There's a certain class of people or things or concepts out there that are not a candle that get extinguished, but are a fire that gets energized. So the whole point of the book is how do we be a fire that's energized and not a candle that's extinguished, right? And that's why this is so important for us because we know inside of the game of casual tactics, we're not taking the safe route. Jimmy, we, I know I do, and I, and I know you and I have talked about this. I lose sleep sometimes over what we teach because it's not the safe route. It's not the easy route. It's not, but then on the flip side of it, it is the safe route and it is the easy route because of this concept. We're teaching people to be fires, not candles. The big thing about anti-fragile, it's not tough. It's not just being survivable. It's not being robust. It's actually that when things get hard, it's not that you survive. There's no points for being a survivor. It's that you actually grew. You got better when things were hard. And that was, that was a big paradigm shift for me because it wasn't like ranger school. It was just about surviving. It wasn't necessarily about thriving. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I knew I could be tough, but then to not only be tough and survive, but then get better because things are hard. That was a huge paradigm shift for me. And then, you know, that's the meathead definition of anti-fragile. Are you in a position that when things get rough and things get hard, you thrive, not just survive. And more importantly, don't get taken out. Well, and that's the point he makes in the book is eventually, no matter how robust something is, over time, it will be exposed to enough stressors to where it will become fragile. And it will, the only thing that actually survives over the long term are the things that are anti-fragile, the things that get better with the stressors, right? 
Yep. Like the tallest mountain just eventually gets ground down by the forces of nature, right? So it's only the things that can thrive, that love randomness, love uncertainty, and can benefit and thrive from that. And that's like, we say this all the time and we just, you guys just finished a podcast the other day about there's no straight lines in finance, right? So the only thing we know about the game of money and wealth that we're teaching you is you're going to be constantly exposed to something new, something different, something that, that potentially jeopardizes or threatens what you have to do. And, and so there is no such thing as a, a passive portfolio or, or wealth without any type of, of work. And so that's the concept here is you as the investor, you as the steward of the wealth have to learn how to become anti-fragile so that you can be the one out protecting the wealth that you've built. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from the book to keep, awesome. keep the conversation going, Brad. But yes. so anti-fragile versus resilience. This is straight from Taleb. Anti-fragility is beyond resi- resilience and robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. The anti-fragile loves randomness and uncertainty, which also means, crucially, a love of heirs, a certain class of heirs. Anti-fragility has a singular property of allowing us to deal with the unknown, to do things without understanding them, and to do them well. Let me be more aggressive. We are largely better at doing than we are thinking. Thanks to anti-fragility. I'd rather be dumb and anti-fragile than extremely smart and fragile anytime. <laughs> oh, Taleb, I have a man crush on you. And so, you know, the, a part of the backstory of this um, book is when we were developing these ideas and concepts. And like when I first quit my job and was just a landlord, I had a lot of time to read. And so I was able to get these paradigms in my mind and my immediate action was to protect my risk of ruin because I, I realized that I can continuously mess up. I can continuously fail as long as I don't get ruined, as long as I don't even as long as I don't go bankrupt, as long as I don't permanently injure myself, I can continue to lose. So that I think would be one of our probably like fundamental tenets to anti-fragile is Never put yourself in a position where you're going to incur that risk of ruin, which then allows you to play hard and learn the lessons, take the risks, absorb the shocks, and then learn from it, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, most other way that investing is taught is, is you're put in positions where the upside doesn't even match the downside that you're in. And when you're in that situation, whether you know it or not, like Taleb says, we can play games that we don't understand and we can be really good at them even if we don't understand them if we're anti-fragile. But the opposite is true. And we can lose games even if we don't understand them. I think people are playing in a very, very fragile manner because of this, this paradoxical risk. And I, I don't want to lose it, anything and I'm not going to play hard. He calls it long tail barbell investing. So explain that for us. So for here's why I hate, 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 qualified plans. And um, we've talked about in several other podcasts why I hate IRAs and retirement plans. It's because for, you know, what's a great year on Wall Street? What's the average return on Wall Street, Brad? Well, like I said, a great year is double digits. By the way, a year is too small to measure. What? A year, Taleb also brings up like an annualized return is too small of a data set to measure. Way too small. But the best 10-year run the market has ever done is in that 8 to 10% range per year, right? Yep. So for a 10% return, 
of not really investing, a 10% return of, of a speculation, I think there's a real risk of ruin. Like what's the worst the stock market has ever gone down? And see, but here's the, the important point. We don't look at what the worst it's done over the same 10-year period. We look at the worst it's done in a very short period of time that can erase what we've done over the last 10 years. Yeah. Right? It's done, it's dropped 40% before. Yes. Right? Immediately. So for me, a long-term, an annual 10% return for the risk of potential 40% drop, there's no way I would take that speculation. And, and no instead. Way. And instead, we start building investments that go the other way, right? We yeah. have potentials for nice spikes and good returns, but then our long tail is slow and boring and, and protects that we'll never have. That's why we teach the, the core four, four pillars so strongly that if we have that, it looks really boring when we like stretch this out. But because we position ourselves the opposite of everybody else, we're anti-fragile. Let's take a, a standard rental house, for example. Like- a good solid rental house is you'll make two grand a year. And some people, two, you'll put 20 into it and you'll make two grand a year. And people like scoff yeah. at two grand oh, a year. That doesn't seem like very much. But the, it's not the two grand a year that it's important. It's the fact that there's really no risk of ruin there. And that because of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, someone is always going to need that house. Yes. And then we have good potential through leverage, through tax benefits, and then through potential blips in appreciation to do significantly better than that. I've had these boring little rental houses do 40% in a year, right? That's Total the whole returns. point of the four pillars is that you got to create four wins so that if one win doesn't happen, you still have the potential for three other wins. Yep. But where I can only win in a qualified plan, where I can only win one way, I'm massively fragile because if that it's binary. It's I won or I didn't win. There's yep. no degree in the middle of that. And that's just how the game is set up. And we don't, we're not taught. We don't understand. And it's in, inherently fragile because if it's tied to the stock market, the stock market is tied to an aggregate of everything going on in the economy. So if everybody's losing, you're going to lose. If everybody's winning, yeah, you're winning. But by the way, when everybody's winning, everybody's also taking their fees and taking out mm -hmm. the juice from the squeeze. <laughs> and then when it goes down, sorry, bro, you're on your own. Uh, by the way, I'm still making the trading commission when I trade you out of this, this position. Yep. Yep. Even when I lose 40%, the people helping me along the way are still getting paid. Right. Yep. And so just bearing the fee risk to me was always intolerable. And I was like, I got to find something else out. Yep. So how do we then, Jimmy, how are we teaching people inside of our communities here not just to be tough, not just to weather this, but to, to actually get better. Like what's our, what would you say from your stance? Cause this is where you really shine with us. How do people become anti-fragile? By continuing to fail with small tail risk. I mean, the first thing, and we go through it in our workbook, you have to eliminate your risk of ruin. And we, you know, I think we teach this concept best when we teach levels of debt where, yeah, not all debt is bad. Debt where you have a risk of ruin, like recourse debt, where you have a personal guarantee, um, you have to mitigate those. You have to almost eliminate uh, one of my best mentors. He's like, Jimmy, you got to find a way to get out of recourse lending. And then we need to probably explain what a recourse loan yeah, is. Yeah, let, right let me back up, Jimmy, because no, no, that's good. That's a good, very tactical piece to it. I'm going to back up and explain from my standpoint. So if you're listening to this, well, if you're listening to this, 
you're somehow intrigued of doing something differently. So if you're the person listening that like me, what is, is somewhere in that 42 months from learning to taking action, I want you to stop and ask yourself the question, why have you not taken action? What is it that's preventing you from moving on some of the information that you have? Or if you, you were like me, but you finally took action and you move forward, what was that force preventing it? For me, it was I didn't want to make a mistake. I was trained that I was a straight A student. I was taking accounting. And if you screwed up, it was get, I was going to have that mark on my permanent record forever, right? Employees were taught this way that we can't ever make mistakes because that lives with us forever. So I was afraid that if I didn't have enough knowledge and I made a mistake, it would push me into risk of ruin, right? Even though that wasn't actually the reality. So to me, we need to set our investments up. We need to set our financial life up in such a way that we redefine loss. We redefine failure to where we, and then Jimmy, we teach reserves, we teach security, we teach the base and the foundation all the time so that I can go take an action toward my goal and learn from it. Right? Right. So it's stop avoiding risk. Stop avoiding loss. Stop repeating the story that's been told to you that, oh, real estate's risky or direct investing is risky. And so therefore you can't do it and understand the risk that's on the other side and say, not avoid risk. It's risky. So I'm not going to do it, but okay, it's risky. How do I eliminate my risk of ruin so that I can do it and learn? Yeah. To me, it's just eliminate your risk of ruin and then intentionally go fail. Yes. And like that is my mental mindset is like, because I'm a quick start, I'm not going to get, when I'm in the nascent stages of trying something new, I'm not going to research everything. I'm just going to go do it. And as long as I have no risk of ruin, and you know, this is a little bit sloppy. Maybe I could get better at this. Maybe I could try to stiff out a few more details, but as long as I don't have a risk of ruin, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to learn along the way. I'm going to get my details by failing. And so what we've done inside of Cashflow Tactics is we've embraced that principle and said, okay, how can we help those trying to get a start into this, be coming on that path to financial freedom, eliminate their risk of ruin and be able to move forward as fast as possible. And if, if you're listening to this and you're in our programs, you're probably like, oh my gosh, I now see why Jimmy, Brad and Ryan have put the things together the way they've put it together. The reason why we built a community instead of continually worked with people one-on-one is because in a community, we can reduce our risk of ruin and have much more potential for thriving. The reason why we don't teach you everything you can possibly do in real estate, we teach you the next thing you need to do in real estate. The reason why we set up these things like vaults and we talk about the, the base of the pyramid and the foundational points and we understand concepts like leverage, we go through all of this so that we can get you on that fastest path. You've got just enough information to not lose everything you've built and get you in getting reps, getting success and moving forward. And Jimmy, what does this look like inside of our community? I mean, right now at the time of this recording, we're deep in the the coronavirus, who knows what's going to happen next crisis. But what does it look like inside of our community? Those that have begun to embrace this idea of anti-fragile. We've said this on several podcasts, but everybody's just kind of hanging out. We're just Just like waiting, enjoying time. And not at work and enjoying time with their kids. Yeah. Like, what's the big deal, right? We were just but on it was, a call. It was hard when the market was crazy last year telling people to save their money, to keep it liquid. And we did another episode, ROA versus ROI. But 
people were like, you're crazy. I got to get in the market. I got to get this return. And we're like, it's too small of a return for the risk you're incurring. We've got to get you moving forward and learning and, and making the mistakes and getting into the right places, not just chasing returns. And because of all, most of our members have a solid wealth pyramid, which means they have a lot of liquidity right now. Mm-hmm. They are anti-fragile. This has not, this crisis has not affected them. It's not wiped anyone out yet. But a few people have been furloughed for their mm-hmm. primary jobs, but there's, they don't care. They have enough to live off for at least a year. And they're now taking this opportunity to learn to side hustle, to learn to create their own income because, again, they understand that their, their success is not tied to their job. It's not external to them. They understand skill sets, mindsets, and networks, and they're able to always, no matter what uncertainty is happening, we're all as a community committed to moving forward. The calls we had yesterday, we, every Thursday, we do our group coaching calls. And there was a time there where I just sat back and thought for a second of like, how different is this angle of conversation than what must be happening in people's portfolios everywhere else? No one was complaining. Nobody was saying the sky was falling. Nobody was worried about what was going to happen. We were all in that, that just on the edge of, you know, optimistic and excited, right? Yep. And we spent the entire two hours just talking through all of the opportunity, how we're all moving forward, what action steps can be taken. And no one's, I mean, it just was such a different feel to the conversations I know most other people are having with their broker of, all right, I just lost 40%. How am I still going to retire? Yeah. Right. It wasn't that. It was what's the next action step and how do we learn from this? And what's the response I'm going to have to this uncertainty? We just pointed back to the principles and we got everybody moving. And it, it creates an environment that I just have a hard time believe exists anywhere else outside of those who have committed themselves to becoming anti-fragile. And like, if I had not read this book, I would not have understood the value of the core four and four pillars. Because like I, I we keep saying on this podcast, but the reason I can move fast on stuff is because I've mitigated, you can never eliminate your risk of ruin, but I've taken the steps to mitigate the risk of ruin. Do you want to give an example like on recourse lending and stuff like that? Yeah. So you think that's too far down the rabbit hole? I mean, it's pretty deep down the rabbit hole in specific to you because I still have a fair amount of recourse lending. But so Jimmy, who's on your, active- All your recourse lending is government backed. Exactly. Okay. But here's, so there's two ways to look at this from a debt standpoint, right? Because a lot of people just say, avoid debt at all costs because it's bad, right? That's yeah. not the anti-fragile approach. That's the, I'll be a strong- approach to it, but not an anti-fragile approach. I can use legit and Jimmy, you can use that in such a way that we actually get better in the crisis. So because you're active in the game of real estate, you wanted to seek non-recourse lending to give you much more flexibility to move forward. And you've had conversations. And let's define what recourse lending is. Oh, that they can come after you personally to pay off, not just the asset. Sign on the loan, a personal guarantee that I pledge my personal assets if this loan goes bad. Yep. So somebody lending you money to buy real estate, they say, even if the real estate doesn't pay back this loan, I can still go after Jimmy for it. Yes. Yep. And, And for you on your side of things, the great flexibility you were given that made you anti-fragile is from what I observed it was as things became uncertain, you were able to go back to all of them and say, hey, we're in this together. We're backed by this real estate. Things may happen, but here's what we're going to do about it. Here's where we're going to go. So instead of them saying, Jimmy, I'm going to take you down, right? Because you gave me a personal guarantee. You've now created a relationship where you're going to work with your lenders. And you said, hey, 
if I can't pay, here's how I will. Well, you can't they also, me- I, I think 10% of my portfolio has recourse. So I, I was also walking around confident knowing they couldn't touch me. Like that they and, need me. It's a different conversation where don't do this. I'm coming after you. Or, hey, we're in this together. How can we win? How can we do this together? Yeah. I still don't want to be foreclosed on. No. I still want to be a good lender. And I signed my, I did sign. And your reputation loan. matters a ton because if yeah. you default now, no one else will lend to you, but it gave you a, a way that you could work through anything potentially that came up. Right. Yeah. And for me on debt, I do the same thing through fixing an interest rate. I could have got lower interest rates if I did variable rate interest, right. Or, or shorter term loans. But for me, to eliminate my risk of ruin is I want a 30 year time period to pay this loan back. And that gives me plenty of time to work through any uncertainty that's going to come my way. So I never, for me on the passive side of things, I never take on debt that doesn't match the time frame of my asset. That way I'm never put in that position where I have a 30 year asset, but a five year loan. When that five year loan is up, I'm in a pickle or in a difficult spot that I couldn't have seen coming then I'm forced to lose money or I'm forced to act on it. This is what saved me in 2008 is I bought a ton of property in 06 and 07, but because I fixed my debt and eliminated that downside in 08, when everything crashed, I could just sit back and collect my rent checks and I was totally protected, right? So it's understanding that it's not just about getting the best rate or getting the best terms. It's about setting up a system that will allow you, and I paid more to create a system that prevented my collapse. And then ultimately, I was just finishing up my tax returns for that block of property. I sold it about 10 years later, and we made almost a $500,000 gain on it because I created an anti-fragile system that all I had to do was wait, and I knew at some point I was going to benefit from it. And then that's the thing about anti-fragile. It is really hard to preach the value of it when times are good. It's the worst to be able to preach it when the time is good, right? It's It's the grasshopper in the... The one that saved, whatever that one, you know, that analogy. But what winning looks like when you understand anti-fragility, it looks like a lot of what's going on in cash flow tactics right now, but it also looks like thriving in hard times. We hear and that I, idea that, that wealth is not loss or, or, you know, it's just transferred, right? Well, it's transferred from the fragile to the anti-fragile and it's transferred from the resilient to the anti-fragile. Those are the people. And that's why it's such a small number of people that make massive strides in wealth during bad times. It's because everyone else, whether they're fragile or resilient, they're not able to get better. It's that small group of people that have figured out how to actually get better in those times. And so just a testimonial, Brad, like the last month has been awesome because there's been several people saying, hey, because I transferred my money the cash flow tactics way, I have saved $400,000. We had a guy on a call two weeks ago, John, he said in 2001, I lost a million dollars. In 2008, I lost a million dollars. He's like, this time I'm just hanging out. Nothing. Because he built an anti-fragile system this time around. So that to him was worth a million bucks. And we are going to have to do to pull like Nassim Taleb and his thoughts and books are like an onion. Like this was a good first crack at it for us. There's going to be a, a a lot more episodes about Nassim Taleb and how we tactically and meatheadedly, because there's quants on Wall Street right now, use what he does, just destroy, killing it. Yep. So I'm not going to pair us to them, but the tactical everyday use of these concepts 
we're going to talk about them. And so if you want to get involved more, what should people do, Brad, to get more involved in these anti-fragile conversations? The, the first step to getting more anti-fragile than you are now is to get around people who are, are doing that, right? It's the idea of me. It's getting thrown into a track meet where you're playing with a faster group of people. And so this is why a little while ago, Jimmy, for the first two or three years of Casual Tactics, everything, we held everything behind the curtain, right? You had to come into our game. You had to be a paying client of our masterminds to be able to hang out with us and get this information. But at the beginning of the year, about four or five months ago, we took our, our Facebook group, our close-knit group where we're sharing, where me, Ryan, and Jimmy, we're teaching and training in there, but then all everybody that's out there putting this into practice and learning what they're sharing is coming back was in that group. And to that point in time, people had paid over $250,000 to have access to that database of knowledge. About four months ago, we made that open and free to the world. Now, there are no restrictions on getting into that group because we realize that people, a lot of people just need to see it and experience it to be able to believe it and be able to move forward. So the first thing to do, we join that group, like come in and see what anti-fragile looks like. And so to do that, go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group and join the only community that's thriving during COVID, the only community that has anti-fragile systems and processes built to be able to thrive. That would be the place that we're all hanging out. Awesome. All right, guys, we will see you on the next episode. Talk to you later. All right, all right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Rise Up Live Free podcast. If you're not subscribed already, then be sure to do that right now so you can get all of the latest information downloadable right to your phone. But before you go, what would it be like and feel like if you had your own personalized financial freedom game plan? If you like that, head over to cashflowtactics.com forward slash five day challenge. There, we'll walk you through step-by-step in just 30 minutes a day over the course of five days. We'll show you what's working, what's not, where you're stuck, and help you gain clarity for probably the first time ever in exactly what it will take for you to be on the path to financial freedom in just 10 years or less. If you're ready to go, join us at cashflowtactics.com forward slash five-day challenge. Until next time, take control over your finances, rise up, and live free.